Hey everybody, this is a spoiler-inclusive podcast. So, if you have not read the book or don't want it spoiled, don't listen beyond this point. Go back, read the book, and then come on back and listen to our conversation. Well, hello everybody. Why did I say hello? Hello! Oh, hello, that everybody. That Wisconsin accent coming in. Yeah. Hello, oh, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Straight from the dairy land himself. Yeah, absolutely not. I'm as Johnson City, Tennessee <laughs> as it gets. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Not Your Average Book Report, a podcast about children's books where we believe in never losing the childlike joy of reading. My name is Sam, and I'm an adult who is really just a big kid inside, and it shows in the books I read. And I am joined by my venerable co-host, Sarah. What's up? How are you doing, Sarah? I'm great. I'm great. I feel like I should introduce you because you are a high school English teacher by training, but you have mm. two kids yourself and you claim to, which I have verified on Goodreads, read 80 books a year. It's true. I just read, technically, I have read 81 this year oh. because of the three books we have had a podcast Well, on. look at that. Bam. I am glad to help you out. What was your Goodreads reading goal at the beginning of the 78. year? 78. 78. Was that, you always do one more than last year? Um, it depends. One to five more, depending. Because uh, 78 is very specific. It is. I think last year was 75, so I bumped okay. it up by three. Okay. Well, it is the Christmas season. Fa la 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 la. I love this time of year. Me too. There's people literally put lights on their houses. The There's all kinds of pine scents around. <laughs> it is just, to me... About as good as it gets to the point where I'm actually sad thinking about January and February and March because Christmas will be over. It will be over. So any Christmas traditions? What do you all do? What's Christmas in the Scott household? Uh, Christmas in the Scott house is chaos. Mm -hmm. Currently, this is our first Christmas with a five and a three-year-old. So every day they come down. Is today Christmas? (laughs) Unfortunately, no. And then uh, we actually just, one of our children, I won't say which one, but it's the older one. Um, <laughs> she found one of her stocking stuffers. Okay. And I'm in a dilemma on, do I still give it to her or not? Because mm. she found it in disobedience. So that's mm. a whole nother podcast. Yeah. It's called Parenting we're going to do Children. a bonus episode. We're going to talk about all things parenting, Christmas, Santa Claus. Oh, don't. Jesus in the manger. Oh, we're not going into it. It's fine. We're not going nope, into nope, it right nope, now. No, nope. Let's just talk about Starbucks holiday cups. Uh-huh. Ooh. <laughs> they make t- drinks just taste so much better. Anyways, this week, I, for one, have been excited about this book since we started this podcast. We are doing The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by one Clive Staples Lewis, who happens to be my favorite author. Sarah, had you, I'm sure you read this book as a kid. What was your experience with this book before we read it for this podcast? I have read the Chronicles of Narnia series many times. Mm. I want to believe that I read it as a kid. I don't have significant childhood memories of reading it, but Mm -hmm. I have significant adult memories of reading it. I probably, I think I was like probably 25 when I read these, probably around 25, I would guess. And I read the whole series because I've I don't know if I ever read all of them Mm -hmm. in the order. I've always read like standalone line, the witch in the wardrobe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, not to be super religious, but, or Christian, even though I am, um, these books are super, they are super Christian, (laughs) but like after reading all of them, I just, I mean, I cried, I think Mm -hmm. in every single one. And if you 
don't cry. You can't listen to this podcast. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm, I'm going to cry later. I'm not going to say you, you have to cry because that's actually something I want to talk about with this book of if you grew up in a Christian household, mm-hmm. you kind of know that it's, oh, it's about Jesus right. and what was your experience, but we'll get into that later. I have a specific memory when I was, uh, I was probably first or second grade. We were still living out in the country. Our power went out and my mom got out. I mean, it was an old boombox stereo and uh, we had these books on CD. Oh, that's cool. But I remember specifically, we didn't have the giant batteries for the boombox. <laughs> so dad had to run down to the store to get them. We plugged them in and we all sat in Nat and I's bunk bedroom and listened to these stories and... I don't remember the narrative as much, but mm-hmm. I remember that moment. And I did the same thing where I, I probably didn't read all of them as a kid, but then as an adult came back to them and definitely cried a lot. But for me, uh, quick story time with Sam. I know we just had story, story time, time with, with Sam. Sam. Oh, we had a jingle. Now that would go straight <laughs> to my head. We shouldn't do that. I love a jingle. I was in England and we Let's were- talk about bougie. I'm just kidding. Went with my mom. <laughs> So I remember going to visit Westminster Abbey. I was uncomfortable. I was an American in England. I felt out of place, out of sorts. And you go into this church and you're thinking, oh, it's a church. It's probably a warm, welcoming place. And I'm not saying it isn't, but Westminster Abbey is also a tomb. Mm -hmm. But I remember they have this little section of the church where they have the names of famous Brits in concrete. They're not buried there. Mm -hmm. They just have these names. And I remember I found C.S. Lewis's name. And I had read his books before. Like I'd read Narnia. I, I wasn't like a super big fan or anything, but I appreciated him. I felt the same way I feel at a party when I don't know anybody and like my best friend walks in the room. I just mm. felt this overwhelming sense of like, there's a friend. Mm-hmm. To the point That's where cool. the next day I was like, mom, we're going to Oxford. <laughs> yeah, we've got to go see the pub where he and J.R. Tolkien hung out. From there, I ended up buying some books, read The Weight of Glory, and it's been a four-year thing since then of just C.S. Lewis journey all about it there's just a sense of familiarity he writes in such a way that he he's like a big kid yeah yeah and I think that's why people to me that's the Lewis phenomenon of like why is he such a big deal Mm -hmm. is because he feels so relatable yeah it's super deep waters but anybody can read it Mm -hmm. like it's for children but then you read it as an adult and you're like right didn't read that when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. So, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe was published in 1950. Here's the conversation I really think is important. So, if you buy, I think, the American printing mm-hmm. from HarperCollins, in the front, there is a listing of the books, mm-hmm. starting with The Magician's Nephew, and then Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and on through. Yes. And it says, this is the order that Professor Lewis wanted them read. To my understanding, he never said that. Oh, really? Yes. And because I was like, you know, the way we are in 2021, we're like, we'll fight over everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, magician's nephew first. Yeah. But I had never thought about it this way of, if you read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe first, and this plays into the conversation I want to have, Aslan is this mysterious figure that everybody's anticipating his arrival, mm-hmm. but you don't really know who he is, which to me fits so well with this season of Advent, um, with the Christmas mm-hmm. season of just waiting for the king to arrive. Yeah. But you don't know who he is or what he is. He's yeah. kind of this mysterious figure. Because in Magician's Nephew, we do meet Aslan. We know okay. who he is. Yeah. And then if we jump in the Land of Witch in the Wardrobe, it's like, oh, it's that guy from the, the lion yeah. from the first one. 
I do like that. Um, I, especially reading it now in the Advent season leading up to Christmas, just that this idea of who is he? What is he? But also when he's spoken about in it, there's a sense of, oh, comfort Mm -hmm. and comfort and expectation that I think we um, can sit in in the Advent season too. So The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is about four children, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, who are living in London. Uh, I think, I don't know if it states that it's 1939, but Mm -hmm. it's during the Blitz when Nazi Germany was bombing London every night. And so they sent school children to live in the countryside um, because it was safer out there. And these four children get sent to this mysterious old house with this old professor and uh, he has Mrs. McCready, I think, is yeah, mentioned think so. as like the <laughs> the housekeeper. And we get to know these children early. What was your vibe of the four kids as we meet them in the first couple chapters? I mean, I try not to like think about Edmund for what I know of him. <laughs> I knew it was going to come at the up. beginning, but uh, yeah, he's a turd. He's he a, turd. a turd. He's a turd. <laughs> as a little brother, <laughs> Edmund has little brother written all over oh, him. Oh, totally. Which now that I think about it, like. You know how writers can only write what they know. Mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis was a little brother. Oh, and was I'm he? Like he's writing out of this place he's of like, all these feelings oh, you get. These because things. Peter is, he's kind of like perfect, right? Oh he's, yeah, he's the perfect older brother who everybody has responsibility. But then mm-hmm. I also think about these kids who are sent away mm-hmm. into this strange house, and how, like Peter. He probably was told by his parents as they're sending them away, mm-hmm. you've got to take care of your brother and sisters. Mm, yeah. And so that perfection or that older brotherness, like he wants to care for them. Right. Because they're not just like kids, 90s kids. Right. They're 30s kids. Which and, also shows oh. up for Peter. We start to see this self-consciousness mm-hmm. later when he's, Aslan is telling him, you're the high king, right. you're the leader. And you see him being like, like wait, what? Who am I? Yeah. yeah. Which of the four children... Did you relate to the most? I mean, probably Lucy. Uh, Mm. Susan, I think, is... Lucy is more childish. Yeah. Um, Susan's cautious. Susan is cautious. I'm not really cautious. Um, (laughs) Lucy, I would be the one as a kid to go into the wardrobe. Right, because you were the youngest. I was the youngest. I am the youngest, yes. And I would be the one who would go into the wardrobe. I would just be... That Mm -hmm. would be me. Like, my sister... Shout out Nurse Hannah. Um, <laughs> my sister, she was more of the rule follower. And so probably Lucy. Okay. As much as I don't want to say it. like You're I, Edmund. I knew it. I knew it because I'm not Peter and I want to be Lucy, this inquisitive, curious. But I know one Turkish delight. I tried it for the first time Did three you? months ago. Emily and I's friend Anna brought us some Turkish delight oh, back from funny. Turkey. And I was like, I totally get why Edmund was what like. What is it like? You know, like nougat in the center of Three Musketeers? Imagine that, but good. Like really good and well-made. No, no, it was fluffy. It was like biting into a delicious chocolatey cloud. (laughs) Um, As much as I don't want to relate to Edmund, that brings to mind. So I remember reading this. We know that it's, Mm -hmm. it's the Christian story. And so I would read this and think there's some experience I'm supposed to get out Mm -hmm. of this. I'm supposed to feel this. And and that would actually cause me to get a little self-conscious sometimes mm-hmm. when I, when I read it, like, okay, okay, okay. So, uh, okay. The white witch is like, is she like Satan or is she sent? Okay. And then it almost becomes this thing. Like you have to have this experience right. reading this book. That was something I was trying to get away from this time. I honestly can't get away from it. And it's not necessarily that I'm like, okay, I need to consider 
I didn't really consider like who I was in this, but mm. I think about Edmund. Maybe I am Edmund. Um, we're all Edmund. We're all Edmund. That's really it. That mm-hmm. is, we are all Edmund. But every time I read about Edmund and skipping forward in the plot and at the end when when Aslan dies for him, mm. regardless, like we're all Edmund. And yes. I know that the Christian allegory conversation, but every time I read that, I'm like, oh, I'm Edmund. Mm. I'm Edmund in that even if I didn't betray my brothers and sisters to the white witch mm-hmm. i'm still edmund like a little bit even if right. like my personality even if i'm not quite as we'll say little brotherish yeah <laughs> but even if yeah. i'm not quite the same personality i'm still edmund a little bit <laughs> i would sometimes try to like force myself mm-hmm. to feel things especially in that scene because i'm like afraid if i don't or like i've missed mm. the experience i've done it wrong and a lot of times when you try to force feelings they freeze totally and they do nothing totally. And that's like even worse for me. And as a feeler, that's <laughs> anyways. Um, so this reading, one thing I really tried to do, C.S. Lewis would say, <laughs> we need to surrender to the text mm-hmm. because so often as readers, we are going in thinking, what do I need to get out of this? Mm-hmm. What do I need to pull out? What are, what does this mean to me that we forget to see the world through somebody mm-hmm. else's eyes back in my teaching days? And in my English student days, it was there was always a pressure of what is the author doing or what mm-hmm. is the author trying to get at here? And sometimes it's like, just read the story mm-hmm. to enjoy the story. Absolutely. And then maybe read it again the next mm-hmm. time. And so this time I did try and read it just to enjoy it, yes. which I totally did. I mean, I read it in, I won't tell you how fast I read it because some people's feelings get hurt about that. But How fast did you read it? I read it last night in about an hour. i was so impressed with my two days (laughs) it's fine it's fine i'm a speed reader i'm a speed reader i didn't have trouble speed reading it because i just enjoyed the story so much you know (laughs) we don't have like a constitution of this show or like the pillars but i think reading for enjoyment is going to be like our number one principle. 100%. Yes, we analyze stories on this mm-hmm. and, and we're discussing them, but that only happens after shut your brain up, totally. turn off the analysis and just enjoy it. Cause that's how kids, kids Absolutely. aren't sitting there going like, Hmm, What's what is his metaphor? commentary on feudalism yes. here? You know, <laughs> and 100% I am a reader today as an adult woman because I was always allowed to just enjoy books yes. from being a, from learning to read on. Yep. I have always been able to read what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And even when I read in school, I still read other things that I enjoyed. And 100% mm. of the time, I just, I don't waste time on books that I don't like. Because books, they can sweep us away on this experience, much like the Pevensies went through the wardrobe and found nice. themselves in Narnia. <laughs> the scene I want to talk about here, the scene with the beavers. At their house, for for me, this this reading through, that was my favorite part. Mm. It felt the most vivid. It's the part that I felt like my imagination really just jumping into. And it's fascinating because they're gathering in this warm home after a delicious mm-hmm. meal, and he's telling them a story. Yeah. So during the scenes, the first time we hear about this mysterious figure that is Aslan. Here's a quote. At the name of Aslan, each one of the children felt something jump in its inside. Edmund felt a sensation of mysterious horror. Peter felt suddenly brave and adventurous. Susan felt as if some delicious smell or some delightful strain of music had just floated by her. 
And Lucy got the feeling you have when you wake up in the morning and realize that it's the beginning of the holidays or the beginning of summer. That just put a smile on my face. I don't know if this time I was like, oh, Aslan, this is how I feel. But when I read that, I was like, I love that feeling. Because it's specific. It's specific. Right. And, and we've all felt it. I think if yes. you've ever been a kid, heck, as an adult, when you don't have to work or mm-hmm. when you... Whatever it is. I mean, I don't work on Fridays and literally on Thursday nights when I go to bed, I'm Mm. like, I don't have to work on Friday. (laughs) And it's interesting that that feeling, this feeling of rest, of freedom, Mm -hmm. of not having to go to school, which is a joke he keeps making throughout, is associated with Aslan the king. And if you take that further and say that, I mean, you you know that Aslan represents Jesus. It's not the normal things you associate with Jesus. Normally it's like... Redemption. Redemption or obedience (laughs) or not that not waking up on May 29th. Right, right. You know, and as a kid. As we were getting ready to do this podcast on Sunday at our church, they had the kids choir and adults choir sing for whatever, for worship time. And as they were singing a song that the words were like, you make wrong things right or every wrong thing right or something and as I was standing there I thought about last Christmas and our church had to cancel Mm. Christmas services and it just felt so wrong and then this year fast forward we get here and they're having there's like 130 people on stage like maxed out and they're singing this song about how he makes all the wrong things right and then Lucy says like it's that the holiday or waking up and you know it's the holiday or something and I was like it's just this hope and this um expectation and I want to say hope of heaven but like but yes when we think about Aslan and we think about Jesus there is something to be excited about that's why to me this is an advent book shout out to mm-hmm. Artie McLennigan because he's the first person that really put this idea in my head because he talks about how he reads it every year. And it never occurred to me that, that this is absolutely an Advent Christmas book. One, because there it is that theme of the king is coming, mm-hmm. we're waiting for him and the longing. But I think that longing is the point. Yeah, That's why the beaver scene was my favorite scene. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, the part where we see the redemption come mm-hmm. with the defeat of the witch was was good. But the thing that I can relate to more is huddling after a meal mm-hmm. and hearing this story and feeling that little flare of hope of like something has happened. Yeah, He has landed as Lynn is on the move. As a kid and even as an adult, when I imagined the beaver's home, it was laid out like my grandparents' kitchen. It was. Oh. And, I, and it, it clicked for me that it was. Mm-hmm. And because for me, that was that was this safe, warm mm-hmm against the winter homely place because they lived in this cabin up on Tall Pine Road, yeah. which as a kid, you just, I was like, there'd yeah. be snow on the ground outside and you'd come inside and we'd celebrate Christmas there. And some of my favorite memories of Christmas mm. are there. And that's when it, like, I was like, okay, like that's, I think that's why this scene is so yeah. alive to me because it's the most relatable for us here in this time of Christmas is yeah. us gathering against the cold having a big meal and sitting around and telling the story. And yes, Mm -hmm. there's tension like you talked about, like they have to rush out and it gets scary from there. But there's these moments of when we hear about he's landed, Aslan Mm -hmm. is on the move and this hope that stirs in him. But then there's Edmund's reaction. He disappears. And goes and betrays all of them and joins the White Witch. 
How did you experience that scene when he shows up at the castle? He's he, This whole time he's had this rough go of it walking across the snow. His poor legs. He's so cold. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is one of those points where I pity Edmund because he still is a child. I think that's something yeah. that we forget get because he does betray but like he's still a kid and i think we've all had those moments where i don't know if you ever ever felt it but at one point when i was a child i have a distinct memory of running away from Mm. my house because everybody was so mean to me and Mm. i was just such a beat upon child the youngest let me just asterisk there I was not a beat upon child and I had nothing to be ungrateful about. But I remember I packed, but feeling it, the experience it, of the it, the experience of yeah. being a kid and being like, I'm leaving. So I packed my bag, made it down the driveway. And then I realized I, it was too heavy. And <laughs> I was like, oh, so then I think about Edmund and he leaves the beaver's house and he makes this long journey without his coat, without his coat. And he's freezing and he's cold, but he's sure he's like, made the right choice and then he gets there and his expectation is that he's gonna be the king of narnia the king of narnia and given all the he turkish delight he wants everything and sh- the white witch is not happy to see him i no. mean she's glad to find out that he knows where they are but yeah. he doesn't get a huge meal he gets stale mm-hmm. bread and water and i just pity him because i we've all known those moments where we're like, oh, this is it. Yeah. I've done, finally done it. I'm making my mark. And then yep. it doesn't happen. But and inside too, though, you know. Right, like right. You're pursuing something you know you shouldn't be. Yes. And there's the thrill of getting it and you keep like, imagining yeah, when you have it. it's going to be worth it. But inside you also, because it talks about how Edmund knew right. inside that she was cruel. Right. But he just wanted her not to be. <laughs> the snow starts to melt. And we get this really important thing that happens. This is something I remember vividly as a kid. Father Christmas shows up. Yes, that I was going to bring that up too. That as a kid, I that wasn't super significant to me, but as an adult, mm. it stood out to me. Mainly, and this is sort of a silly reason, but that Father Christmas could exist within this story mm-hmm. because it does seem so allegorical about jesus and mm-hmm. you know jesus and christmas and all the things but like he existed in it and it it didn't stop the hope and expectation for aslan it only made it bigger he stokes it because yeah. he mentions this is father christmas talking i've come at last she has kept me out for a long time but i have got in at last mm-hmm. aslan is on the move the witch's magic is weakening yeah. which is the stirring hope we've had since the conversation at the beaver's house the three children and the beavers they're in that hole sleeping and Mm. they wake up and they there's a sense of fear i don't have the exact quote but they hear the sound that they didn't want to hear and it was the bells and then all of a sudden it's mr beaver's voice saying come up here and it was father christmas it's father christmas it just like that scene i was like oh my gosh right just christmas is finally coming. christmas is finally and the juxtaposition of the fear of oh no it's the sound right with the celebration of it's christmas i think as a kid i, I loved that father christmas showed up because like that's something from my world yeah, yeah. Like, this is narnia and i yes re- maybe relate to these characters but that's what made this so it's saying that that hope that they feel that Aslan is on the move Mm -hmm. and how much Christmas isn't the consummation of that. Christmas is a further stoking of that fire of the hope. And that's what 
Father Christmas yeah. does. He comes to encourage. He yes. gives swords. He gives these bows. Yes. He gives this magical healing solution. Well, and in the beginning of the book, they say Narnia, it's always winter, but never Christmas. Right. And one of the things my husband and I, we regularly talk about is how we only want it to be cold up until Christmas slash yes. New Year's. And Amen. then it can stop. And for it to just be cold right. and nothing is coming. Like, right. To at least it can be cold on Christmas because then I'm like warm by the fire with my jammies and my Christmas tree and stuff. Right. But then post that, warm up, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that plays right into writing for kids and the kid in you because a kid, when he hears it's always winter, never Christmas, you're like, oh no, so depressing. This is awful. Christmas is never coming. But as an adult, you can immediately be like. Oh yeah, as a kid, what if you told me that Christmas right. was never coming? And you're like, this is horrible. This yeah. is a big problem. And so you're like right into the story. Well, and because I think about my kids coming downstairs every day. Is it Christmas today? Yes. Is it Christmas today? And and what if right. I never got to say, yes, right. today's Christmas. <laughs> I did want to talk about one moment that... Please. What my favorite, I think my favorite line in the entire book. Um, it's when... Peter, Lucy, and Susan, and the beavers get to Aslan. Mm. And he says, people who have not been in Narnia sometimes think that a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. If the children had ever thought so, they were cured of it now. Mm. For when they tried to look at Aslan's face, they saw they just caught a glimpse of the golden mane and the great royal solemn overwhelming eyes. And then they found they couldn't look at him and went all trembly. And that line... They think a thing cannot be good and terrible at the same time. Mm. This is something um, most parents, I feel like, and adults walk through. I think about teaching my kids is that you can feel two things at the same time because Mm. you can be happy and you can be sad or you can be whatever. You can be two things at the same time. And that's just sort of a theme I see in books, too, with kids is learning that you can be both you Mm. can be happy and you can be sad something can be terrible and great all at one time and i feel like i mean we saw that in charlotte's web we see it we saw it in um james and the giant peach a little bit you know that it can be both and Mm. that's something that i think as a kid is hard to understand why do you think that impacted you so much um i think because life can be terrible and great all at one time and just because it's terrible doesn't mean that there isn't greatness and that sounds super depressing but yeah Hello, therapy session with Sam. But I walk through with having kids. My kids can be awesome. And they are awesome. But then they can also be terrible in the Mm. same breath. And it's this overwhelming sense of, I love my kids. I love them so much. Sometimes I could throw up. But then also sometimes I want to lock them in the backyard and wish them good luck. And there's just that, what's the word, dichotomy of that existence. The next morning when they... I mean, the table cracks. Yeah. And there he is. And he just starts bounding all over the hilltop in joy. Mm-hmm. And it talks about Lucy didn't know whether it was like playing with a kitten or playing with a thunderstorm. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that line. Why? Why? Why, God, why? Yeah. Uh, no, why? Jesus really. is terrible and great. That was one thing you kitten said. Kitten and a thunderstorm. Like, a kitten and a thunderstorm. I think that... I mean, this is getting to be a deep podcast, but I think that's the American Christian problem of the Americanized Christianity is that Jesus can only be one and we only want him to be loving. We only want the kitten and 
because the kitten is sweet and right. for the most part, we'll do what we want him to do or fit within our bounds. But a right. thunderstorm, that's a, right. out of our control completely and can cause, I don't want to say damage and destruction because that make, but also can cause damage and destruction because. Right. But even remembering that, the, how terrifying he is. And as somebody who has walked through just being afraid, mm-hmm. I think I know deep down I'm Edmund. Mm. And I know deep down I couldn't look him in the face. And I'm pretty sure that I'm a traitor. And what would he ever want to do with me? Because I remember as a kid being very uncomfortable mm-hmm. with Aslan. Because he, he is so weak yeah. in this moment. We want strong mm-hmm. heroes. We want kick his butt. Yeah, they might have a little weakness. You know, uh, the villain takes yeah. his girl who he likes and he doesn't know yeah. to choose his love or the save the city <laughs> or... You know, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe he's a little selfish and needs to learn. No, this hero, this mm-hmm. lets himself be tied up and executed yeah. by the villain. And I remember as a kid being uncomfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm still uncomfortable with yeah. it. It's yeah. so weak and vulnerable. But it made that moment where you hear the table crack. Yeah. And they turn around and there he is. This is what I love about this story and it's what I love about Lewis. I, I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. Yeah. The moment you try to put it into words, it's not, Yeah. you're not going to be able, it's going to come off as cheesy, right. totally. felt bored Christianity again. But I, that's why I love stories and yes. that they allow that because something in me just goes, yes. Yeah. Yes. To the point of disbelief. Yeah. Right. Because like the rest of the story with, with the victory, I wasn't as much like, we got her, yeah. we beat the witch and I hope kids do. And I know, and I, I think they will. I'm, too much of a worldly adult sadly to really <laughs> you know because because kids yeah. are just like yeah we got her yes whereas me i'm still grabbing on the parts that are relatable to me or we're huddling in Absolutely. the beaver's house yeah. and we're hoping for him to show up well honestly i that scene when aslan dies i i do remember as maybe a teenager reading it or maybe when i was a young adult i felt like i was sitting there with susan and lucy watching this and just the heartbreak yes. and and I, that is always where I have sat as if I'm sitting hidden watching. As he writes with that scene, I hope no one who reads this book has been quite as miserable as Susan and Lucy were yes. that night. But if you have been, if you've been up all night and cried till you have no more tears left in you, you will know that there comes in the end a sort of quietness. You feel as if nothing was ever going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And for one, I love that for kids who know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I didn't as a kid, and I'm thankful. I love that somebody cared enough to write a story for those kids. Yeah. But also, we don't lose the kid in us. Right. We just learn to shut him up, <laughs> which is sad. I do now at 30 have moments where I've felt that quietness. Yeah. Of nothing else is going to ever happen. I'm living in an alien world. Yeah. I don't have like an end thought for that. I just yeah. think there is this beautiful meeting in that moment of like, I know how you feel. Yeah. And that for me to kind of bring our conversation to an end is, is why I think I love C.S. Lewis so much as somebody who I was the youngest child. Mm-hmm. Edmund, up, I relate, feel yeah. misunderstood. You feel like nobody gets you. Yeah. Nobody sees you. Nobody under, nobody is willing to come down to your level. And, and you've maybe you've done things out of mm-hmm. that, that you're ashamed of. I felt like C.S. Lewis understands me. Yeah. Well, and that's why I, uh, that's why I love reading. I yeah. love reading because authors put into words feelings that I cannot put into words myself and even if it is just a sentence even if it's a silly book that 
they can just say something that I cannot. Yeah. And that's why I want people to read and enjoy reading because you're yeah. going to find those little pieces where you're like, oh, I've been seen. <laughs> Right. And they take that and they story it. Yeah. So for me, like I think about the tragedies in my own life and I think about mm. when Susan and Lucy, have, I know what's about to happen. I know they're about to turn around. He's yeah. about to come back from the dead. And you're like, oh, this is a great story. No. The reason everything in me is just like, yes, he's back from the dead is because there is something in me crying out for a story like that. Mm-hmm. And I love that this story is about experiencing this story allows us to see that story in the real world and say, right. Hey, this is a little picture of something that's actually true. Yes. I love the way this story makes me long for mm-hmm. that. I want to be like your kids. <laughs> I want to run into the room every day and say, is it Christmas? Is, is it Christmas? today the day? Yeah. Cause I think that's, that's the purpose of Advent. Yeah. <laughs> that's in some ways the kind of story Lewis is telling is to create this longing where you run down every day. Is today the day? Yeah. Is today the day? And to ask it the way a five-year-old asks yeah. it. Not like, okay, it's today the day I got to finish editing that video. And then I got, okay, I got to cook dinner. Mm-hmm. I got to go buy this and that. But it's today the day that yes. everything sad is going to yeah. come untrue. These stories, they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. And my experiences are never perfect. But if you let them, I think the great stories are saying that. Mm-hmm. And, there's, and they're, they're not trying to get you to wish that Narnia was real as much as we might. But to say that, the kind of story where sadness is turned into joy, mm-hmm. those are true. Totally. And I hope people come back from not just Narnia, but all the great stories out there. They come back from those stories the way these children did. They come back to their own world and yeah. they see differently. Yes. I. That is one thing at the end. I love, I love that they live in Narnia. They've been there for years and years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. They begin talking they as, talk really as queens and kings. <laughs> it was weird to me, honestly. I, honest, yeah, I sort of sped, really sped right through that because yeah. I was like, Good Peter, I can't sir. actually understand this, but as they're describing the the lampposts, mm-hmm. and then suddenly... The tree of iron. The tree of iron, and then suddenly they're back, yeah. and they're kids again, but the world's never going to look the same for them. Yeah. And that was just... I felt like it was just like this beautiful ribbon. Yeah on top that gave me what I wanted because I wanted them to come back a little bit because I thought they're still kids. (laughs) I wonder if that's the journey he wanted people to go on of you've grown up, go on this adventure, learn these things, experience these things, meet Aslan, have conversations with them. And when you come back, when you finish the story, (laughs) come back to the real world and you're a kid again. Yeah. And that, that's for me is like, I could wish nothing more for myself and for everybody listening who reads this book of when you go into Narnia, you come back and you're a kid again. Mm-hmm. Amen. And to, <laughs> to put a bow on our conversation about trying to force the feet, you know, how do you control that experience? Make sure you have it again. I think it's the same as getting back into Narnia because the professor says, indeed, don't try to get there at all. It'll happen when you're not looking for it. In the same way that I try to force myself to experience the story the way I think I'm supposed to, you have to let it go. Mm-hmm. I love this book. But we have to end the episode. We have to let the people get on to their Christmas parties, their Christmas family. Thank you all for joining us. Sarah, I don't know why I'm waving with my hands. What's Not up? that you can see that because you're <laughs> listening. What is our next book? Our next book is from the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. And neither Sam nor I have read this book. Very excited. After The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I thought we might go with something a little sillier. Yeah. What's what's the premise that 
when Claudia decided to run away, she planned very carefully and she decided she was going to live at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Ooh, I was and, just there three days ago. Oh, this is for you. This I didn't say that at the beginning you. of the show. I just got back from New York. We oh. should have talked. It's been full circle. We missed the moment. Bomber. Mm. Oh, well. So Claudia falls in love with a statue at mm. the museum and she wants to discover its maker, but she has to talk to the former owner of the statue, who is Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. Oh, I'm in. So pumped about it. It was nominated or it was voted as a time best young adult book of all time. Wow. So. Well, we will find out. That's right. That's so join us in reading that for our next episode. What was the title again? It is From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweller by E.L. Koningsberg. Awesome. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you out there. Sarah, hope you have the best Christmas. I will be there around. (laughs) I'll see you there. We are in-laws, so we will be there. I'll see you there at Christmas. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Happy reading. Thank you all so much for listening to our show. We love sharing these stories with you. Our goal for our audience is to be a big old book club. So please read the books, read them yourselves, read them with kids. That's why we announce them at the end of the show. And if you have a good time, leave us a review on Apple podcast. It's so helpful, but even more tell your friends and let's all enjoy some good stories together.